Are you interested in a true crime podcast with a different point of view with hosts who have seen the justice system from the inside? Then you should check out Alice and Brett and their show, The Prosecutors. In every episode, Alice and Brett bring a unique perspective as full-time prosecutors to the most famous and debated true crime mysteries, whether it's John Benet Ramsey, Maura Murray, Scott Peterson, or the Delphi murders, they dig deep to bring you the details that you won't hear anywhere else. The Prosecutor's Podcast is about more than just storytelling. Alex and Brett will walk you through the legal problems lurking behind every case. They break down the complexities of the criminal justice system with a little bit of humor and personal touch. And it's not just true crime. They bring the same training and approach that they've learned as prosecutors to classic mysteries like the Dialtov Pass incident and the ghost ship Marie Celeste. So if you're looking for a true crime podcast with a different point of view, a different approach, The Prosecutors is the podcast for you. I listen to this one myself. Highly recommend. Britt and Alice are great. You can find The Prosecutors wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Stoveleg Media. Igniting conversation. Welcome to True Crime to Go. How may I help you? Yeah, I'm like a multi-state highway serial killer. Anything else? Actually, yeah, I'm going to need some DNA evidence to go with that. Pull up to the next window and we'll see you next crime. This is True Crime to Go. I'm John. Here is always with Jamie. How are you, man? I'm really good, buddy. Really loving this format. Can't wait to dive into this case that you've brought to us here. I'm finding a theme of you bringing things from home, which I really enjoy. I've always wanted to do a couple of these Jellicoe cases. You're going to notice that the one we did from Jellicoe a few weeks ago ties into this one nicely. So I'm excited to bring it. I've been wanting to do it for a while. This is the perfect format. Absolutely, man. I can't wait to get into it. Why don't you get us rolling? We're going to be talking about the redhead murders. So this refers to a series of unsolved homicides of red-headed females in the United States between October 1978 and 1992, and they're believed to have been committed by an unidentified male serial killer. So the murders believed to be related have occurred in the states including Tennessee, Arkansas, Kentucky, Mississippi, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. The victims, many been unidentified for years, were usually women with red hair whose bodies were abandoned along major highways in the United States. Officials believe that the women were likely hitchhiking or may have been engaged in prostitution. Authorities are unsure how many people were responsible for the murders, if they were all performed by the same perpetrator, or how many victims there have been altogether. It is believed that there may be as many as 6 to 11 victims, Of the presumed victims, four were identified by November of 2018. The suspect of this case was informally called the Bible Belt Strangler, and that's in part because of a group of 
uh, podcasters and students at a local high school that were investigating this case. Let's look over some of the victims. On September 16th of 1984, the body of a woman later identified as 28-year-old Lisa Nichols, who also used the last name of Jarvis, was found along Interstate 40 near West Memphis, Arkansas. She was wearing only a sweater. She was found to have been a resident of West Virginia. Authorities were not able to identify and contact her family for some time, indicating that Nichols was estranged from them and didn't have a close connection to home. She wasn't identified until June of 1985, nine months after she was strangled and killed. She was identified ultimately through fingerprint evidence. The next victim was found on January 1st of 1985 when the body of a woman was found near Jellicoe, Tennessee in Campbell County down an embankment off the south side of Interstate 75 that runs straight up and down the east half of our country. The remains were in an advanced state of decomposition as she was killed about three days before her body was discovered. The victim was killed again by strangulation. She was Caucasian, had shoulder-length, curly red hair. Her age was estimated to be between 17 and 25 possibly as old as 30. The victim was found clothed in a tan pullover, shirt, and jeans. And additionally, she'd been wrapped in a blanket, which was later found to have seminal fluid on it. The young woman had freckles all over her body. She had green eyes. She also had a lot of scars, including a burn mark on one of her arms. She was 10 to 12 weeks pregnant when she passed away. She had a partial upper denture holding in two false teeth, it's believed that she was between 5'1 and 5'4 when she died. It was approximately around 110 to 115 pounds. And we'll talk more about this victim a little later on. Some believe that the victim we discussed a couple of weeks ago could have also been related to this case. So go back and check that out if you want more details on that. Now, that case was a little different because we certainly don't know the color of her hair. There was only bones that were found as well as some like bracelets and a necklace. So the hair color is not known. She could have been a lot younger than the other victims that we're going to talk about tonight. What makes it interesting is that her body was also discarded on a trucking route. So this could be related. Also, a knot was found at the scene of that crime that was very similar to the knots that were used in some of the victims we were also talking about tonight. On March 31st, 1985, there was a skeleton which had red hair, and there was a female that was found in Pleasant View, which was Cheatham County, Tennessee. Now, she was believed to have died between three and five months previous to that due to an unknown cause. However, her case is probably linked to the redheaded murders because her remains were also found near the site of an interstate, Interstate 24, between mile markers 29 and 30. Unlike some of the other victims, however, she was wearing clothing. She had on a shirt, sweater, pants, and underwear. Another victim was found on April 1st, 1985. Now, this was a body that was found in a large refrigerator in gray, which is in Knox County, Kentucky. This is pretty close to where you and I live and certainly on your way home to Harlan. That's alongside Route 25. Now, her death was caused by suffocation. The victim had been dead for a few days and was nude except for a necklace and some pendants, one of a heart and the other a gold-colored eagle and two pairs of socks, one white and the other green with yellow stripes. Now, there were reports that this victim may have been hitchhiking 
uh, a ride to North Carolina over a CB radio. On October 1st, 2018, the Knox County Sheriff's Office announced that the woman had been positively identified as Epsi Regina Black Pilgrim and was from Western North Carolina. Now, a DNA match was made between her and her grown daughter who said that her mom disappeared when she was just six weeks old and Pilgrim also had four other children. A possible suspect emerged in these murders around 1985 when a 37-year-old trucker named Jerry Leon Johns attacked and attempted to strangle a young woman named Linda Shack. She had reddish hair. He left her lying near a highway and left her for dead. But Linda would pull through. Her testimony was enough to put Jerry Johns in prison. He was later dismissed in the redheaded murders, but he was convicted of another woman's kidnapping in 1987. He died in prison in 2015 at the age of 67. Now, that was the one suspect we had, the main suspect, and it seems that police have ruled him out, but we don't exactly know why. But real quickly, let's go back to Jellicoe. On September 6th of 2018, the Shelby County Sheriff's Office announced that the victim that they had in Jellicoe from this series of murders had been identified by fingerprint as Tina Marie McKinney Farmer from Indiana. She was 21 or 22 at the time of her death and was last seen in Indianapolis. She had gotten a ride with a trucker and was headed to Kentucky. Farmer had one daughter prior to disappearing in 1984. She was reported missing by her family at the time, but authorities in Indiana didn't enter her her information into national databases. The state did have a law common in many states that requires law enforcement to enter unidentified victims into this database, but she had somehow slipped through the cracks. So why the case was so important in Jellicoe. So along with Tina's dead body, police found a blanket with the victim and it also contained semen in 2016, just a year after Johns had passed away. That semen was DNA tested and it came back as a match to Jerry Johns. A grand jury in Campbell County said that they would have had enough to indict him if he had not already died. So all of these murders, or at least the murder of Tina, could potentially have been solved, and he could have faced charges for those if he was still alive. This ties into a case we're going to release tomorrow on True Crime Cast, the regular feed, and if this guy killed Tina, he was already accused of another murder that could have been linked to these, at what point does it just seem more likely than not that he was involved in several of them? I'm not saying that he was, but I think that's how investigators have to look at this. Yeah, this was a good one. Hopefully uh, you guys are enjoying these true crime to goes. Jamie, anything else about this case before we go? I don't think so. Thanks for bringing another one from your hometown. We're going to be back at some point with another one of these. So make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Yep. We'll see y'all next time. Would you like to try listening to True Crime Cast today? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You've listened to True Crime Cast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Check out Stoveleg.com to find out more about your hosts and to find other podcasts to listen to. Stoveleg Media. Igniting Conversation.